Multisport. I'm your host, Todd, with my co-host, Jordan. Hey, guys. And Coach Scott. Hi. Hey, welcome, guys. We're here to our next podcast session, and this is going to be a fun one today. Uh, we want to jump into the topic of smart trainers and um, the pros and cons. Um, I know Jordan has a lot of excitement around this topic, so maybe we'll go to him first and just have him give us uh, his take on um, smart trainers and how they've evolved the last couple of years and how he uses them in his training. So smart trainers have really been a big area of you know growth in the triathlon and the cycling community. Um, you see more and more coming out there, um, more watts, different technologies. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of options on the market right now. Um, Although that right now with the COVID situation, there's not a lot of availability because uh, all of the trainer companies have been selling out quite a bit considering all of Europe is basically completely on lockdown and they're not doing any outdoor cycling, um, including the, all the pros. They're all on you know, all those major platforms and everything like that. Um, there's different technologies out there. Um, and there's different options for smart trainers and there's different accuracy for smart trainers. Um, I did start with a smart trainer um, that had magnetic resistance that would adjust, but it was a wheel on smart trainer. Um, the accuracy of that power data, the, the companies would say, you know, somewhere around five to 10%, but that was always variable. Um, I've since upgraded to a hammer direct drive trainer and absolutely love it. I love the, I feel that the feeling of a, of a direct drive, you know, wheel off trainer feels more similar to the outside road, but I mean, it's not, I mean, it comes with a little bit more cost to it. Um, and not for everyone. The biggest thing is if you're cycling, getting on your bike and building those muscles, um, they're all generally accomplishing the same thing, um, but there are some advantages to it. Um, a big thing I love about direct drive trainers or general is you have different modes that you can ride in. You can ride in ERG mode. You can ride in resistance mode. Um, you can ride simulated terrain through some of the platforms, um, which basically can you can go climb the equivalent of Alpe de Juez on Zwift and you know try to you know climb up you know the same type of gradient that Lance Armstrong did um, and there's there's a lot out there uh, I think that Coach Scott would have a opinion on what's better and what's best and you know there are positives and negatives on it uh, there's everybody needs to find what's best for them and just make sure that they're having fun on their bikes indoors. Sorry. So coach, do you, do you want to comment a little bit about how you advise your athletes on when the right time to pull and the trigger and have a smart trainer in their, in their equipment arsenal? The, the choice of a trainer ultimately is up to the athlete. I, I don't dictate you have to have this trainer versus that trainer. Um, because as Jordan said, there, there is a cost involved. You can, you can get a, a, a fluid trainer for a couple of $300. You can generally find them used for even less than that. 
Whereas a smart trainer, you can easily spend $1,100, $1,200, $1,500. So there, there is a huge difference in, in investment. Um, I have some issues with smart trainers, not a lot, but some. Um, first of all, there, there is no question that a smart trainer, trainer will, will help you in that you're going to, if, if you're doing intervals, it's going to, if you're doing intervals in a smart trainer in our ERG mode, you're going to hit the target power because the trainer is going to force you to hit the target power. So in that sense, they're really good. You can put your head down, you can grit your teeth, especially for the VO2 max workouts, the really hard workouts. You can just put your head down and you can just ride and, and know that you've hit your targets. But I'll give an example of, of one of my athletes. Um, he lived for a long period of time in Beijing, China. And in Beijing, there's lots and lots of traffic. There's lots of pollution. You just don't ride outside. It's not safe. And so for two years, he rode his smart trainer diligently. That's all he rode in ERG mode. Well, then he went to a 70.3 and I get a text after the race, his, his bike split was just atrocious. And he'd done all this work on the bike and, and rightly so, he said, what the heck? Well, I looked at the file and, and it turns out he was in a single gear the entire time because he never learned about changing gears because he was in ERG mode the entire time. And so there's some, there's some gotchas you got to be aware of on a smart trainer. And if you're aware of those, and uh, if you do things to avoid them, then smart trainers are excellent. That's not to say that you can't get good training on a fluid trainer. Um, there's still lots and lots of athletes that use a fluid trainer as their primary uh, platform to ride on. There's some athletes that ride on rollers, um, which is also uh, equally good. But um, you know, do you need one versus the other? Uh, you could you could make a case that a smart trainer is going to um, certainly augment your training and, and make you a better cyclist, a stronger cyclist. I think both of you, you're both on smart trainers and you both enjoyed some, some pretty significant in, uh, increases in FTP and time to exhaustion and, and the metrics that we look at. And, and we can directly attribute that to the smart trainer because you're hitting targets um, precisely it's, it's not, you know, if, if your target power is, is 275 watts, you're hitting 275 watts, not 272 watts, not 269 watts, you're hitting 300 or you know, whatever the target is. Mm -hmm. And conversely with that, you're not going over the target. That's just as important sometimes as, as uh, being under. So smart trainers are, are good in that sense. Um, I, I don't know that I'd ever tell somebody you have to go out and spend this insert amount here to get the smart trainer because you can get good workouts on a fluid trainer also. And ultimately riding outdoors is, is ultimately the preferred method, but for most age group triathletes, that's, that's not a realistic option because of the time involved. So one of the things is I got into a smart trainer and just started using it the last two or three months was that I had, um, I had some questions. I didn't quite understand the move from um, my magnetic or fluid trainer that I was using to a smart trainer and really what the difference was. And I think if we step back for a second and think about, or at least explain even what ERG mode is, we, we talk about in training and using metrics when we're just using heart rate training and we've moved from heart rate to power training and having some kind of power meter on our bike. Then having a smart trainer takes the power meter out of the equation because it provides the actual resistance and power um, tracking for the training session. Um, but where the smart trainer then 
um, differentiates a dumb trainer, if you will, is that it can then react to a platform and change resistance. So as to what Jordan was saying, trying to climb a certain type of course that's on the platform, it actually can provide the right resistance to mimic the, the, the course conditions. So I think that's important for us to um, delineate between when you're just training with power and then moving to a smart trainer and the advantages in interaction with some kind of platform, um, I think is, impo is important for us to call out. When you're, first of all, most smart trainers, if you have power meter on your bike, most smart trainers will take the input from your power meter, which is, which is good. I mean, that's how I'd prefer to see it because then you're, you're riding with your power versus um, if a smart trainer, if it's off by a couple percent from what yours is, if, you, if your FTP is 350 and you're off by 2%, uh, I mean, that's, that's enough. Uh, Jordan will tell you on a VO2 max um, interval, that 2% at 350 watts is enough to make you fail the interval. And so that would be the first step. If you've got a power meter, then the smart trainer is running off the power meter. But to your point, yes, it will respond. If you have intervals, um, regardless of which platform, training platform you're using, it will adjust to those intervals. Or if you're riding in, in a platform like Zwift where you're riding a course, then it will it will mimic the terrain. Mm -hmm. and, and so when you're mimicking the terrain, then that's gonna help you offset that concern about gearing because you're gonna have to, it's, it's not just gonna set an F, or a, a target for you. Um, it's going to let you ride and you're going to select your gearing point up that terrain. Yeah. So Jordan, um, yeah, go ahead. I think you had something about um, your yeah, so the, the one thing that I wanted to actually just mention too is it's not necessarily following, it, it's knowing a little bit more about the smart trainer's functionality. So some workouts, really you don't want to do an ERG. This last winter, Scott had me doing some you know anaerobic maximums which basically you're just riding along in zone two and then just punching the max power that you can do for you know 30 seconds or whatever that each interval was um just trying to you know build some of that that strength and explosiveness um not really triathlon specific but just you know a good great workout there's some of my favorite workouts i did all winter but you can't do that in ERG mode. The trainer's not going to ramp up that fast. So knowing that these trainers have other options is kind of the big game changer with smart trainers in general. I can just set that trainer to go in a set resistance and then use my gears to, inc to increase that power output massively um, and, and quickly because most smart trainers, now the more money you're going to spend the faster they can ramp and things like that but in general um they're not going to be able to ramp you from 180 watts up to 800 watts or if you're just trying to do your max 30 second power um and you're in erg mode let's say it the workout set for 800 watts but well you can do a thousand watts you can't do it because the trainer will just start to decrease the resistance. So you have to know what type of workout you're doing and what the goal of that workout is before you decide, am I gonna ride in resistance mode or am I gonna ride in ERG mode where the trainer automatically adjusts? So I think that's, a, that's important delineation. So with the smart trainer, when you have, it's not only able to output 
your your the wattage that you are putting out, the the energy that you are converting to power into the trainer, but it's also then able to change resistance. And that's, I think, the delineation of ERG mode is when it's reacting to a platform that's providing information and that trainer is then forcing you to hit a certain power wattage versus recording what your max or what your output is. So you have to know the trainers are able to do both um, in the platforms. And then it's a matter of understanding how much money you want to spend across the various models and doing your research on the trainers um, to understand maybe, as you mentioned, Jordan, the percentage variance between the, the power um, ratings and power measurement of that power of that smart trainer. Yep. So coach, um, we've mentioned a couple platforms now through through the discussion of, of smart trainers and the advantages and disadvantages. Um, would you like to kind of um, overview the different platforms that we can look at as athletes and how you use maybe some of them with your coached athletes um, to track um, uh, their training um, programs? There's lots of, out, lots of, of platforms out there. Uh, the, the two that we primarily use at BSC are Trainer Road and Zwift. And um, Trainer Road is, is one of the oldest ones. Um, it's just, it's real simple. It's a screen, it's got bars in the screen, you, and it, the bars represent your target, and it's got a trace for your FTP, or for your, your output power, I'm sorry. And, and you just basically line your output power up with the target, and, and you're good to go. <clears throat> the, the downside to Trainer Road is it can be incredibly boring. You're just looking at this graph on the screen, and, and you see this line just going, moving through across the workout. Um, if you're if you're a fan of structured workouts, putting your head down and just just gritting your teeth and working, then Trainer Road's a good platform. Um, up to about an hour. After about an hour, uh, most people can only tolerate that for so long, and that's a reality. The next one that we use is Zwift, and, and I will say, when Zwift first came out, I was very resistant to the idea of Zwift. I didn't like the the notion of a video game, because that's how it came across to me, but <clears throat> Now I'm seeing more and more. In fact, last year with Jordan, um, Jordan's training time, like most age group athletes, is, is somewhat limited. He's only got so many hours in a week that he can train. And so we got to a point, his CTL got so high that, that it was unsustainable. Um, and so we began to run into the problem of how are we going to get the TSS that we need when he doesn't have time to do that. And we were able to turn to Zwift because Zwift has racing and um, Jordan loves to race, and so that was an outlet for him, and it was also a way that we could achieve the TSS we needed, the weekly TSS, um, without blowing them up. Um, and so increasingly, um, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Zwift. Um, the nice thing about it, all of our, all the BSC workouts are written in the Workout Builder on Training Peaks, and so they will, you can write, you can use them in Trainer Road, or you can use them in Zwift, they'll just transfer across. And so that's the, the main reason we, we use those two platforms um, is because everything works together. Um, there's other platforms, Supperfest is, is one that comes to mind. Um, I like Supperfest, I like the videos, but I, I you know, that's just not one we, we frequent. Mm -hmm. Gordon, um, I know you've looked at a couple different platforms and you've also, you know, raced and enjoyed uh, Zwift, but maybe you can talk just a little bit about um, the different platforms you've tried and, and what you found to be, you know, the best for you. So the one thing to notice with all the platforms is it's not a marriage. You're not locked into it forever. 
Most of them have free trial periods, so you can figure out which one works best for you. Um, I'm a huge Zwift lover. I love Zwift racing. Sometimes I love Zwift racing too much. I think that another downside to Zwift, which Coach Scott will tell me frequently, is the distraction of it. Um, when you just go on and add an extra, you know, 20 minute crit race onto your onto your plan and it's not written in training peaks, it can throw off your weekly stress and it can uh, increase the fatigue where then I might not be able to hit some of my other workouts that I'm supposed to hit for the week, which I will uh, get some texts after I do something like that. <laughs> and God will tell me that I, I deserve it. Um, <laughs> to that point real quick. But um, Zwift does have... Sorry, to, to that point real quick, um, it, some of the distractions too. Jordan will be using Jordan as, as uh, the example again. He'll be uh, doing a Z2 ride or, or you know, a, a, a sweet spot ride, which, you know, maybe he's riding along at 83, 84% and somebody passes him. And Jordan's, you know, it's like the hair on the back of his neck comes up and he's like, oh, no, you don't either. And then the race is on. And all of a sudden, his ride that was supposed to be 70 TSS is now 104 TSS and, and you know, just creates problems. So, yes, that is a concern on Zwift is the distraction of other riders, especially when you know that they're not video game riders. It's actually real piece of people mm -hmm. that are represented by that avatar that just blew you off, blew you off. Mm -hmm. Or when you get into a race and you get to race against Mark Cavendish, I mean, if he if he attacks, I'm gonna follow. I'm mm -hmm. I might destroy myself and not be able to walk for another three days afterwards, but I'm still gonna go with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there there are some downsides to that, um, and being disciplined is important. Um, you know, but because Coach Scott can just upload the workout, if I can kind of, I, it, it helps me work a little bit on my own mental training for the game to try to limit the distractions because you might get passed in a race and you might not like it, but that person might be going way above where they should be and you'll catch them later on down the road. And if you don't do that, or if you don't follow your own plan, you'll blow up too and you won't finish your race. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the downside to Zwift. Um, but for me, Zwift works perfectly. Trainer Road, I've used in the past, and I really do like the structure. Um, I really liked Trainer Road when I wasn't coached and I didn't have those structured workouts going into Zwift that you can just automatically upload because they have great workout plans. Um, there's no doubt that their Trainer Road's workout plans are amazing. Um, my my wife, Catherine, used that to get through her first Olympic triathlon, and she was absolutely spectacular. Um, so Trainer Road can do a great job. Um, new ones popping up like Ruvi, who Ironman, their virtual race series is building those actual courses into Ruvi. And so if you want to ride a race, you know, especially like a virtual race and test yourself against other people in light of us not being able to race in person, Ruby's gonna be great for something like that. 
you can build the course. The course has its course video. So it does actually seem like you're riding a real course and Zwift does have a little bit more of a video game feel to it. Um, and then there's Be Cool has a really cool training platform. Um, you know, Sufferfest you see as, you know, has cool videos, great workouts. Um, it's, it, there's so many options out there. And most of the time you can get, you know, 15, 30 day free trial, figure out which one you like, what's going to work for you, whatever's going to get you riding your bike and being fit. Mm -hmm. That's the training platform to go with. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's the key on both the trainer and the platform. Um, you want what's going to work for you to get you on your bike and, and get the miles into your legs. Um, if, you know, if you hate the platform you're riding in, or if you hate the trainer you're riding on, you're not going to ride. And so ultimately that's going to be a disservice to you. Um, you know, there, there's options to, to all the platforms. There's or, uh, options, there's, there's variances and there's, there's pros and cons to all the platforms. There's pros and cons to all the, the trainers and trainer options. Mm -hmm. um, and so finding what works for you is the important thing. And, and you know, as Jordan said, um, most of the platforms have um, free trials that you can go in, you can try it and mm -hmm. get a taste of what you're getting into. I think one thing too that um, I learned as I was getting into using um, structured workouts that are then in a platform loaded by a coach um, was to understand how you interact with the platform. So um, having um, a subscription to say Zwift or Trainer Road, you then need to know what you need to have equipment wise, right? So I had uh, been using a power meter, power pedals on my triathlon bike and was able to interface that those power that power meter on my bike with the platform. I didn't need a smart trainer to start out. So I think it's important too, right? That you don't necessarily need to go out and buy the $2,000 smart trainer, log in and, and subscribe to the premium subscription platform for things to work. You can start smaller and work your way up the platforms as you find the platform and the equipment that work best for you. Well, and even to that, most of the platforms, you don't even need a power, uh, power meter because most of the pl platforms will allow for virtual power which, while it's not as accurate as, as true power from a power meter, it's better than just a subjective, you know, what, are, what you think you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had athletes that when they started using virtual power and then stepped up to real power, they, they suddenly decided, discovered that their sense of RPE or, or rate of perceived exertion was way off because they could go a lot harder than what they thought they could. And, and so, but anyway, to, to that point, yes, you can start out with virtual power, which means you don't have to spend however many hundreds of dollars on a power meter. Mm -hmm. so. so one plug too for BSC is that when you're a coached athlete or have access through B Team BSC um, and using um, the whatever platform you, you use, um, our coaches can load in structured training into those platforms. And the result of that is whatever platform you're using, the output is what's important for the coach, right? The data analysis. So depending on whether you're in a metrics-based trainer road where you're just looking at numbers on the screen or you're using something like Zwift or Ruby or Sufferfest where you have a video that helps you visually get through the workout, um, the ultimate outcome is the same. The platform allows for recording of data and that data is then uploaded to um, the your your platform your your trainer um, training peaks platform so that you can actually analyze and assess progress right. and and to that point whatever platform you're using at, at the end of it when you're done i i see the same data it doesn't matter it, it frankly doesn't matter if you're outdoors or trainer road or zwift or self it doesn't matter i'm going to see the same data 
um, from any of those. Mm -hmm. And to the point of uploading things, and we did this with Jordan last year, <clears throat> he was uh, going to be great racing at nationals last year. And so we actually recreated the nationals bike course um, and, and had um, a file that he could ride on his smart trainer. So it had all the, the elevation variances. And so he rode that course, what, a dozen times before you actually got to the course. Um, and so there's little things we can do like that because of a smart trainer and the platforms and the way they work together, which is pretty cool. Well, guys, this has been a great topic. I think covering um, the need for uh, or, or, you know, the necessity or not of, of, of an actual power trainer, smart trainer, power meter, and then using it on different platforms is really appropriate given the times that we're in now coming out of um, the pandemic and looking at how long we'll still be indoors training and racing. And our earlier podcast in the series, uh, we did talk about the virtual racing platform as well. So it ties nicely with having the right equipment or the equipment that works best for you and the platform that works best for you, but ultimately um, getting the, the numbers that you want so that you can achieve your goals. Um, thanks both for this discussion. It was great to dig into this today. Um, if you'd like to learn more about um, BSC Multisport, log on to our website at bscmultisport.com. Um, you can find out if you're BSC and uh, find out uh, more information about um, our team on the website. Also, you can click and subscribe on our YouTube channel, and we'll look forward to seeing you again. Thanks for joining.